Welcome back to Marriage Monday. Thanks so much for joining with me. My name is Dave Berenger, and this is my podcast to help you build your marriage one Monday at a time. Today, before we get into our topic, I do want to give a selfless plug for my brand new book that's going to be coming out September the 7th. You can buy it on Amazon or you can get it here at the church building uh, for $2 cheaper than Amazon, but it is a book called Speaking from the Shadows. I wanted to write a book about my journey through depression to do two things, to help the person who has gone through depression, to help them articulate exactly what's going on to people that may not understand, as well as the books there to help explain for those people that are in your life that have never dealt with it, but they need to just grasp what their loved ones are going through. So again, you can get that on Amazon or you can buy it here at the church building. Kalamazoo First Assembly of God, and you can get it for just $2 cheaper than what Amazon's going to offer. So now that that's out of the way, it helps me to actually segue into the talk about money. We're talking about purchasing a book, and we now want to actually talk about just purchasing in general, because this talk about money is something that couples do not have enough conversations about. I see this happen a lot. I see it happen in premarital counseling and postmarital counseling for which you've got one or both people are just either oblivious or someone's going to handle it. I don't care who. And you do rock, paper, scissors, who's going to handle the finances. And it seems like there's not a lot of collaboration when it comes to money. But what ends up happening is when there's a lack of connection and a lack of collaboration, there all of a sudden becomes misunderstandings about finances. And where there's misunderstanding, there develops mistrust. And where there's mistrust, it is the pathway for resentment. So what I want to do is I want to help get you on the same page or else a scenario like this will take place. One or the other of you will get a bonus and you'll look at the bonus and say, wow, I worked hard for this. This is my money. I want to purchase something. And all of a sudden, Amazon drops something off at the house or something pulls up to the house or something appears in the garage. And the other person says, where did that come from? Where did the money come from to purchase that? Well, I got a bonus. Well, why didn't you tell me about it? Because it's mine. And can you already hear the I, the my, the, the, that type of terminology that should be said ours? or we. We have money because of a bonus that I got at work, but it's ours. So how do we want to navigate this? And again, when there's a disconnect in your finances, do not be surprised when one or the other or both, you start looking at things as mine or as not as ours, or it's I did this, not we have this. And we got to fix that disconnect and get ourselves back to the place where we are seeing eye to eye and we're walking through these things together. And so what I want to do is I want to give you three questions, three questions that you can have to help facilitate conversations about money that will help get you on the same page. So if you are a note taker, these are three great questions to talk talk through with your spouse or your soon-to-be spouse that, that would really get you on the same page. So here we go. Question number one. What are your early money memories? What are your early money memories? Okay, here's my earliest money memory, my earliest one. I must have been six or seven years old, helped my dad change the oil. What that meant was I held a wrench and stood with him while he described how to change oil. And so when he changed the oil and finished it, he gave me a dollar for helping him. Now, back in what, 1980, 81, 82, whatever year it was, you know, that to me, that was significant. And I wanted to go buy baseball stickers because that's what I was into at that age. And I remember he said, listen, in our home, 
We take 10% of what we make and we use it to bless other people. We donate it. In the church, we call it tithe. And I remember getting a dime and I gave it in the offering and I spent that 90 cents on probably baseball stickers and Bazooka Joe bubblegum because those were nickel. My word, I sound old right now. But nevertheless, that was just an early memory and it's something that was just instilled in my life that whatever I do and whatever I make when it comes to my finances, that I want to make sure that I lead with generosity. That's just always been a very important part of, of money. But that's one of my earliest money memories. And so let me ask you this. What is your earliest money memory? And when it comes to the way that you have navigated finances, how has that affected your finances? And the reason why you're supposed to have this conversation in your relationship, especially if you are engaged or you're in a marriage situation, is you need to be in a place for which you are understanding what is driving the memories, the background, the history that is driving how you are spending your money. How are we navigating finances? Why are we fighting over these things? Man, I've watched couples come together for which one person came from a very affluent family, the other person came from a very meager, sometimes paycheck to paycheck, sometimes wondering where the money's gonna come from type of spending. And they get married and they're fighting because when it comes to money, for one, money is a convenience and the other, money is security. And that leads me toward question number two. What does money mean to each of you? What does money mean to each of you? So what are your earliest memories? But yet, what does money mean to you? Because those memories will greatly convey the meaning and the value that you attach to your finances. Again, we could talk about it being security, like this necessary cushion that gets you through tough times if those show up. Sometimes money just demonstrates status that we've made it. For some people, it means enjoyment. Other people, it's control. And so you have to just ask that question because that could give you some insight into knowing why your spouse responds to finances the way that they do and or why you respond to finances the way that you do. And that leads me toward number three. What are your financial goals? This is a big one. What are your financial goals? Have you ever had that conversation as a couple? And this is something I would invite you to do to, with your spouse is, is to work through what I call the financial goal exercise. I do with every premarital counseling appointment. Sometimes if I get a couple coming in fighting about finances, I will pull this exercise out and I will actually I will do it with a couple that's been married 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I did this with a couple married 45 years and it's just, it really shouldn't have shocked me, but it did. How disconnected they were financially even after four decades of marriage. But what you do is you're going to sit down. You've got two pieces of paper. You're not looking at each other's pages, but you're asking two questions. What are your short-term financial goals and what are your long-term financial goals? What that means is this. Your short-term financial goals are things that you want to do financially in the next six months to a year. Your long-term goals are financial goals that you're wanting to accomplish in one to five years. We're just going to cap it at five because most people uh, just don't think beyond five. So what's your short-term, what's your long-term? And fill those out separately. And when you're both done, share your answers with each other. Just go back and forth, talking about the short-term, talking about the long-term, and see how connected you are, how much communication has pre-existed prior to that exercise. And you may find yourself shocked that A, you're on the same page, or B, your financial goals are drastically different. Maybe in your brain, your first your idea, your first financial goal is to pay off debt, but your spouse's or your fiance's first financial goal is to form a budget. 
And now where the debt is a great thing, budget actually needs to be the thing done before the debt is taken care of. And so you can see right here that it's an exercise that I think would help put you on the same page, but also get you the, to the place that after the exercise is done, you can actually now collaborate and talk that simply says, okay, what are going to be legitimately our five short-term and our five long-term goals? And you allow that to lead you. And the reason why you do that first is because goals dictate budget. It's not the other way around. If you form your budget first, you're gonna see little to no room for goals. And then you just have no goals at all. But if you can set your goals, that will dictate to the, uh, the budget of what it's going to say and how you're going to spend. Because if you set certain goals, now you know what to say yes to, now you know what to say no to. Why? Because the goals are driving it. If your goals are to save for a home or your goals pay off a specific piece of debt or the goal is to get a specific vehicle that's, that's, that's good and, and it runs better than what you have currently, then you're going to look at the things that you're spending on and you're going to say, you know what? I don't think we need all of those apps for all of our entertainment. We might need two apps, but we don't need six of them. Let's save money. Or let's not eat out so much. We spend a lot of money eating out. So let's start spending less by shopping and making our meals at home and taking our meals to work for lunch. You start having those conversations. Why? Because your goals dictate your budget. So what are the three questions? What are your earliest money memories? What does money mean to you? And what are your financial goals? And these three questions, they don't get rid of frustration. They will help you sort through it. And what it will end up doing is it puts you on the road to being together, to acting as one, living as one, and operating in such a way that this, instead of being the thing that drives you apart, it will be the thing that brings you back together. That's all I've got. Have these conversations and we will see you next week.